Oh, good evening, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Atlantic Bushcraft Adventures tonight, episode 224, and kind of going to story time. So we had a request for some misadventures. Basically, times we went out, things went bad, what we did, uh, or sorry, what went wrong, and how we handled it. And it's kind of been a long time since we did a story time episode, in all honesty, so I wasn't against it. And, I mean, we've covered a lot of our stories, perhaps in a lot of our other monologues throughout the the podcasting history here for sure. But, you know what, if um, somebody out there wants to hear it, then I'm willing to revisit it. So, Misadventures to Ben and I, which is the kind of thing we were joking about, we just kind of roll with it. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, nothing really goes that wrong that it can't be helped. But I do have a couple things in mind of... Or at least a couple stories of when things didn't go to plan, or go to plan A specifically, maybe ended up with some funny antics throughout it. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm trying to think of specific stories, but the reality is, yeah, I, what I think we really need to start off with is a lot of this is mindset. Um, and if you're going to go out alone or just with a few people and your access to immediate resources is somewhat limited what's not naturally available is is not an option anymore you have to have a mindset this that kind of like i'm going to deal with it like it's it's not a big deal it's not going to ruin my trip because i've i've seen people who can get that way and uh yeah, with bushcrafting, you kind of have the, got to have the monster, or even camping, whatever you want to call it, outdoorsmanship. Let's go with that. You kind of got to have the mindset of prepare for the worst and hope for the best, if that makes any kind of sense. That way you're never really taken by surprise, and anything that's better than the absolute worst is just kind of icing on the cake. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, oh, for sure. I was talking to some friends today a little bit about this because I kind of wanted to get a thought, and it's like one of the things we were sort of joking about as well if you went and this is a common one this happens to a lot of people so if this has happened to somebody and you think i'm picking on you by no means am i picking on you because it, it probably has happened to everyone at some point in time you go camping and part of your gear is missing it could be your tent pegs your your tent poles uh your lighter whatever stuff that you thought was in your gear that isn't then you kind of have a couple of choices. One is you roll with it as, okay, I don't have said item. I will make do with what I have. Or you fret about it and probably end up leaving and all frustrated because you forgot that one thing and you had to leave. But uh, I think, you know. So something that comes to mind for me, way back we're talking back when i was like 16 17 going out camping with buddies and whatnot we took all the time in the world to pack all this nonsense into the truck and we're talking like six to eight of us were going out i can't remember now i can remember six people for sure but i was pretty sure there was a couple other people with us and i couldn't contact them to confirm this so six for sure potentially eight i think steve and wendell might have been with us but anyway we get out, we, we, you know, we plan this adventure, we're going up to a lake, uh, if anybody knows the area, it's Indian Lake up top Weaver's Mountain. We were heading up to this place, we planned this stuff out, we threw all our stuff in the, the truck, we get up there, and of course, I'm kind of spearheading this thing, because I'm the most outdoorsy person, and we get there, and I'm helping everybody else get set up, and I go to set myself up, and you know what I forgot? And this was one of my stories, which was kind of funny, I forgot my tent. In all honesty, like, zero tent, <laughs> and my sleeping bag, and this is it. You know what I mean? But much like you said, it was one of those, eh, you know what, whatever. Worst case, I could have bailed in with somebody. Best case, I slept out under the stairs. It was a nice night. Uh, there was no rain because we had planned to go up there and, you know, perhaps have uh, a few adult beverages at the time. And, uh, <laughs> and I wasn't pulling the plug on this, you know what I mean? And frankly, I was just like, you know what? It's a nice night. I'm just going to crash in the grass with my sleeping bag and everything's going to be good. And this was back when I hadn't actually seen ticks. I knew they were around. I'd seen some of the dogs, but I myself had never had a tick on me. The boom of the ticks didn't really come into play until maybe the last 20 years here yeah. anyway prior to that they really really wasn't a lot of them in places like newfoundland you just didn't have ticks but that's a prime instance of you know 
it was just a funny story. We went out. There was lots of resources. Uh, I could have bailed in with somebody else, like I said. But it's just you suck it up and you do what you do. Um, and that's that's kind of where our mentality kind of fails into this. Or I and I did say fails into this because there's no real misadventures. It's just a continuation of a of the adventure. It took a slightly different turn than what you were expecting and. You just continue on. I still had my food. I had my clothes. I had everything else. I just literally got my tent. Most people would think, oh, no tent. You can't go camping. Eh, just make do. Yeah. Well, I mean, one of the things we've often done, I think both of us have done, is sometimes you challenge yourself to, to do without something just to see how it would go. And where there's a will, there's a way, I think. And that's the thing to keep in mind. You can usually overcome almost any oversight um i had a really interesting story it didn't happen to me but i was talking to a guy who did one of these big trails here in bc and he said that part of it is along the coast and there's spots where you you have to beeline it from point a to point b because you only have three or four hours before the tide isn't enough you can't do it anymore and uh one group that was doing it not him in particular, but one group that was there at the same time as him, they got caught up in the tide and they lost most of their gear. Now, so three, that four would days be sketchy back, to me. <laughs> you're three or four days back and you have to get out of there. So they ended up basically, you know, sharing gear with other people that were back there or doing completely without. But the reality is they... They survived. They didn't die. They probably were quite miserable. I don't know the individuals personally. I, I can't speak to them. But from the story I heard, those people made it out. So that's that's sort of an example of that. Like Stuff happens, and uh, you have to be prepared for it. And one of the statements we've said in the past, and I think it's a good place to bring that up, what was it as? One is... Two is one, one none. is none. Yeah. And... Anything you bring back there could break, fail, or disappear. I mean, it happens. I mean, prime example, we talked about this show before on the podcast, was Alone. Uh, Follower that we both watched there, uh, Rob, he ended up losing his fire steel, and that's kind of what sent him home. For us, yeah. just going out for a weekend warrior kind of cruise, that may not be a big deal. But for somebody that was going out to try and make, you know, 100 days of this... That is a major issue because he was in a part, uh, you know, he was in the, I think that was the boreal forest, if I'm not mistaken. And you could correct me on this. That was the Ontario boreal forest, was it? Season one? Thank I can't you. remember. Um, anyway, it was a humid area. Couldn't make friction fire. And I mean, he tried. God love him. He tried. It just would not happen. And that was a serious issue. And there was nothing else to do in that case other than pull the plug. Because if he had stuck around, that definitely would have caused potentially bodily harm. Could have froze to death. He wasn't going to be able to, uh, you know, uh, disinfect water, cook food. It was a serious issue. Yeah. Yeah. And friction fire was his, his next best bet, and obviously that did fail him at that time. And and we t we both have met other people that were on that particular season. Um, I think that's the same one that Mitch Mitchell was on and Wayne Colcraven was on, and that was here in, in uh, Vancouver Island, so oh, okay. not far from me. Um, and, yeah, that's one of the complaints they had is the, the wood was soaking. Now, when I talked to Mitch Mitchell about that particular instance, he was telling me that he he never had problems getting fire going, but he, what he was doing was he had the ability to cut into some of the wood, and he said the inside of the wood is dry, but the outside couple inches was often fine. So he would cut a, a thicker branch and then quarter it down, and that inside was usually dry enough to get what he needed. It was an effort. There was more processing involved, and he had a skill for it. This is not the type of wood that... Uh, Joe Robinette had access to. And that's the thing. All those folks might have been, and I'm not trying to make this an episode about alone, but just last thought on that was people don't realize that even though they were all out there on Vancouver Island, in different areas, you had vastly different resources available to them. It's kind of one of the quirks about alone that's always interested me or bugged me, whichever way you want to look at this. Is it a true fair competition when everybody has different resources? You know, you're literally getting the luck of the draw you don't have any say on where you go you're just like here's our random points and this is where you're being dropped hope it works out for you 
And it was always kind of one of those things that stayed in the back of my mind with did somebody win? And I'm not talking about season one, just in general. Are some of the wins and eliminations based solely on walk of the draw or does it come down to the true skill of the individuals involved? I, I think there's definitely a combination of the two. But part of it is your background going up. And that's what I meant didn't have access to. Joe's growing up in Ontario versus, say, um, I believe Mitch Mitchell is from Maine or that area. like Somewhere in the States. I would have to look it up. Yeah. But one is probably damper than the other. So one of them may have, may have had a bit more experience with dealing with damp wood over, you know, coastal areas that tend to be more damp than interior areas. Tend to be. Uh, there's always exceptions to absolutely every rule. Uh, so there may have been some of that going on. But in the end result was, though, regardless, you know, he still had his fire-making system that he started with. Joe didn't. They went in with 10 items each. So that's a pretty sparse start. And so when you lose one item of 10, that's 10% of the items you took gone. Oh, yeah, it's definitely a hit to the, uh, to the survivability for sure. But um, kind of reining us back in on track here. Another potential story that I had that actually involves both of us was the very first time we went out. We both kind of got hit by this one, and we've joked about it in the past, but to give the full story, um, this was the first camping expedition that Ben and I were heading out on. We hadn't actually met each other in person more than just kind of a passing, hey, how's it going at the the Nova Scotia Bushcraft Gathering, and we had chatted online, but we really hadn't met and talked to each other face-to-face in person, let alone camped with each other. Uh, and we were going out in the middle of nowhere to a couple, to a waterfall that I had known of and had the faith to come down to me. And then I drug him up this logging road. Uh, we did have a little discussion about it first. And I did mention, you know, the road's really not indicative to motorcycling. But if he was adventurous, that we could actually take a, a stab at it. And Ben, being the adventurous guy he was, said, yeah, hell, let's get at this. So anyway, up this road we go. And this road is all shale. And literally, I'm on a crotch rocket of a motorcycle. Ben had a little bit better. It was a cruiser, but not an adventure bike in any way, shape, or form. And we're bailing through these backwoods, trying to get to this specific point where we had decided we were going to park and we were going to cut through the woods and it was going to be our shortest distance and all was good. Anyway, we get there. We get everything set up. All of that went well. That's where I figured this adventure was actually going to start going bad. I, I had visions of me slicing my tire out. If anybody knows sport bike tires, they tend to be a little softer, so they stick to the road so you can drive aggressively. And I had sport touring tires on, which tended to be a little on the softer side. On the outside, I run dual compound tires. But anyway, I figured I was going to slice one of those. It went fine. That was good. We went through the woods. Even that went well. We got down to the location. We set up. Everything was going phenomenally good. The only little hiccup we had was... I think I was starting the fire or something like that, and I knelt down, and I plunged my foot in the river. Uh, which, it was warm that day. It wasn't a big deal. It kind of made me have to stick close to camp, because I had to wait for my boot to dry out. I pulled the insole out of it. We got a fire going and all that. You can actually see that stuff up here on the YouTube channel, uh, some of the videos from that. But anyway, what really caught us was both of us had looked at the weather and said, okay, I think the lowest temperature was supposed to be 7 degrees. Yeah. Neither of us had accounted for the fact that we were going to be in a gully at the base of a waterfall. When we said, okay, seven degrees, we're both packed sleep systems. That's probably good to about five degrees, realistically. We packed pretty light because seven degrees is fairly warm. We're both warm-blooded people. You know, that's not too bad. Usually we can do that with just a blanket and we're fine. But anyway, with all this moving, moist air going around us, the first night we tossed and turned a ton because we knew we were cold. The second night was even colder. We ended up staying by the fire for, I, I can't remember what it was, like two, two in the morning, something like that. And finally yeah. we were like, okay, we're starting to run out of firewood. We're going to be cold either way, so I guess we better try and get some sleep. And it was a long night. Uh, we didn't freeze, don't get me wrong, but we weren't comfortable. Or at least I sure as hell wasn't. Everything was damp. Everything, like, there was the breeze that comes off the water. Literally just from the water flowing down and moving out, it creates its own air current, and it's nonstop. It's great for bugs. We didn't have many bugs except bigger flies, but it literally was cold the entire time until the sun came up. And then what made it ever so slightly worse was even when the sun comes up, where you're in that valley, in that gully, it took till around, like, 10 30 in the morning until the sun actually gets on you 
Unless you wanted to climb up a real steep damn hill and get up to a field and try and get a little sun there, which ultimately really wasn't worth it. Once we got up in the morning, we got the fire going, we got some breakfast going, and things were okay. But I do remember the night was uncomfortably cold for both of us. You yeah, I mean? it, it, it was bitter. It was a biting cold, and it, it definitely sucked the, the heat out of you pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, we did do adjustments for the second night to make it a little bit better. Um, the first night was rough. Um, first night was real bad. Cause we had shallow angles on our tarps. We didn't have all our sleep systems out cause we were convinced it was going to be pretty good. By the time we realized it wasn't going to be real good, we were kind of already half asleep and too stubborn to really just take a step back and go, okay, this isn't working. We should take the 10 minutes, improve our conditions and potentially have a better night. Yeah. There, there was definitely a little bit of, I, I'm cold and I know it's colder outside and I'm just going to ignore it. Not get colder. <laughs> I'm Think just warm thoughts. But I mean, the reality is, I get. Nah, we were never really in any real danger of hyperthermia or anything like that. It was just annoyingly cool. Like I had yeah. cold spots. I was never cold all over. I had cold spots. I had a cold spot in the small of my back and my feet got cold. You know what I mean? The rest of me was not too bad, but you, you just had constant cold spots. It was enough to make you uncomfortable and wake you up. If anybody that's been out in the woods with, you know, sleeping in this condition, they'll know exactly what we're talking about. It was just uncomfortable. But as you said, Ben, we did do some things for the second night that should have helped us, but the temperature dropped. And one of them that I can think of was literally we narrowed our tarps in a little bit to try and have a smaller area around us uh, so we didn't have any wind going under us and our bodies could potentially trap a little bit of heat in our bubbles. I know the first night I didn't have my bug screen done up and the second night I sure as heck did. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that was one of the first times we had a conversation about the how much the bug screen actually makes a difference and we did find that it actually did trap a little extra heat to us now the bug nets on both of our hammocks have tie outs so you can keep them kind of bubbled over you and you got a good area around you what i had done that night and i found was fine was i literally just took one tie out above my face so it wasn't sitting right on me and the rest i just kind of let drape over me and it did actually make a little bit of a difference or at least i thought it did yeah well, I've found, and, and anyone who ever doubts it, when you're sleeping in one, if you put your hand outside the net, you'll notice that it's cooler. And I was on the other side of this. I was going, you do realize that's a screen. The whole idea is air passes through it. I was the guy going, Ben, you're nuts, bud. <laughs> yeah. No, and I wouldn't have believed it until I tried, tested it myself. But the first time I ever experienced it, I was like, in the tent and i was like man it's cool outside and i undid the zipper and you could feel like a, a breeze of air come through it and i'm like what the hell and it, it makes it does make a difference right so, and i think yeah. that's the big thing is it, it becomes an air barrier to some degree like it is not as open as not having it there and it stops the air from passing through as aggressively as well as it traps a little bit of your own body heat on alongside of you as well you coming in to join in it's full on going, I hear that. <laughs> anyway, uh, folks out there, Mel is going to pop in here a little bit for a second. We did have one specific story that we've joked about before, and I kind of wanted Mel's take on this because just an extra opinion on this. So if you're okay, Ben, I'm going to jump right into that story while she's here in yep. case she's got to run away. <laughs> so the story we're talking about was just last year, year before, year before. What story are we talking about? When we went to find the lake that didn't exist. <laughs> oh, I feel like that was 2019. Was it that long ago? I feel like, yeah, COVID uh, erased everything since then, but that was... Uh, potentially. So anyway, <laughs> long story short, same area is the best thing to this story. Well, to be fair, that is our main area. That is the area we go explore because there's a lot of ATV trails there, and that's what the plan of this was. We had the ATV with us. We had the inflatable boat. I think I even drugged the trolling motor along. I think I bought it specifically for this. True story. Yeah. Yeah. So we had looked at a topographical map, and there was supposed to be a lake. 
100%. From where Ben and I went, if we went another three kilometers down the trail, there's supposed to be a fairly big lake. And we figured so, it out. upstream of the waterfall. Yeah, there's supposed to be, supposed to be um, a lake that feeds down into our waterfall. And, um, yeah, so, and we heard, like, rumors, too, because we know of at least one other couple that is aware of this place and uses it occasionally. And they said that there's a lake above as well. Oh. But realize we've been going here since like 2010? Uh, no, I was working with natural resources. 2008? I don't know, uh, but like for a while. So this is old information. Yes. Uh, so full disclosure, the way I found this, and I think we've talked about this in the past, was I picked somebody hitchhiking up along that road when I used to travel to natural resources. And literally, I picked this guy up like three or four times in the same dead stretch of road. And finally, I just asked him, like, dude, where the hell are you staying? There is nothing out here. Just and he's appearing like, appearing in the middle of yeah, absolutely like, nowhere. Well, you know the area, Ben. You drove that long section where there's nothing, right? Like, there's not a soul for a good, we're going to say, 20 plus kilometers. And he kept appearing in the middle of this. And there's no way he's walking through this every day. Anyway, picked him up, and that's how we found out the waterfalls. So getting back to this, we got the map, we figured it out. I even plotted out that this lake should be potentially like a kilometer across. Oh, we like plotted, we printed offline maps. We had offline maps saved on our um, phones. We were, we were committed. We knew where it was. We had researched it. We had marked it out. We had printed it off. We were ready. Oh, I even <laughs> hit it on the GPS. I put it oh, on the yeah, GPS and the ATV. Because the theory was... The trail went right to this lake, mm. or at least that's what we were told. So we spent the first night out on the, no, the first night we were supposed to spend at the lake because there was a spot you could set up at this lake was mm. also what we were told. Indeed. So we packed this stuff on. We put a little bit on the bike and we started heading in. We get past where you pull off at the waterfalls and we keep going straight. And we go for probably another five, ten minutes. And we're like, we should have hit something by now. And we're in real thick brush. It's just like, like progressively getting thicker. There was like, no more trail. We were like, driving through bushes. And I'm like, I don't think I can get the bike turned around anymore. So we got to make a call. Are we going to go on foot a little bit more? Or what's the deal? Because the bike isn't coming with us. It's just too thick. So I think we did a bend in the bike and we, we went did. walking for yeah, another 20 we were minutes. still absolutely positive that if we just kept going. We're we, like, okay. Because we brought the chainsaw too. Yes. Was the other thing. So we knew if we got off on foot and found it, we could come back and cut to the bike so that we could get the bike in. Because it should be like right there, obviously, according and to the map. We did bring age into this thinking, okay, maybe some trees had fallen right, over. Right, we these. knew for sure that we were going to do some <laughs> kind of maintenance on the trail. So we were ready for that. That wasn't the problem. But anyway, we get off and we're walking and we come to basically a swamp. We're trying to go through this swamp and we're like, okay, Yeah, so not just... only is the bush getting thicker and tighter, it's also getting wetter and softer. Which <laughs> at first I thought was a good sign. Yeah, great sign. Perfect. But then five minutes into this, there is no wake and we're still <laughs> mm -hmm. just trudging through swamp. So I haul out the GPS and I'm like, Mel, we should be in the middle in of this lake. Of lake. <laughs> you know what I mean? And anyway, long story short, we did finally find some higher ground, and the lake had turned to that swamp that we were in. Like, yeah. it had drained. We don't know what the heck happened, yeah. but we walked around a little bit and figured out we were supposed to be in the middle of the lake. Yeah, there was like a little bit of a deeper section that we could spy through the thickest section. But we figured it was, it was less than a foot Oh, deep. yeah. No, it wasn't like a lake. It was like <laughs> a puddle in the swamp. Um, but that was like where the center of the lake should have been. So we were basically there. We made it. We did. We did it. We did it justice. But we found absolutely nothing. No. And, this <laughs> and was... then we had nowhere to camp because that was the whole plan was like on the lakeside. Yeah. yeah. With the boat and the motor and the train thought. Yeah. And you got to realize there was like a month's worth of planning went into this. We had to find somewhere to stat like to watch Lily. We had to bring the chainsaw. I bought this boat, this motor, the battery, the whole works. Like this was an adventure. This was supposed to be our anniversary outing. And we ended up in the middle of a swamp. And honestly, there was a little disappointment, obviously. But we ended up finding another place. Well, I mean, we ended up backtracking. And uh, you know where we parked the bikes, Ben? Yep. Just the start of that little road, we ended up setting up at that intersection. Like, I was like, no, nah, we're not going into the woods. We're not doing any of that. We're going to set up right here on this opening. 
because uh, it was getting dark at this point. We're talking like seven, eight o'clock at night. And I'm like, I'm not walking into the woods to try and set up in the dark at a new location. So we'll just sleep out here. And we ended up pitching a tent there. We had about an hour to get some wood. Uh, and it actually ended up being completely amazing because what we didn't realize at the time because we'd never experienced it in this area was because you are so far detached from anyone around you, the stars are absolutely amazing. And I know it sounds corny, but like you could really see the Milky way really good. There was a, uh, we seen a couple shooting stars. Like we took the rain fly off the tent and we just kind of went to sleep looking at the stars. It was, it, it turned out to be really good. Awesome yeah, I would actually go back. I mean, it sounds weird, but like go back to the middle of that random road. And it was nice. It was we great. We have pictures of it somewhere. We'll have to put them up on the. I think they may page. be on the Facebook page. But oh. I mean, if there was ever like a meteor shower or something that corresponded that with it, cool. it, it would have been an amazing adventure in that aspect. And we're still kind of got that in our back pocket. If we can ever kind of hook up a meteor shower some astrological event with being able to find a babysitter for willie or willie actually partaking in it being old enough and we have a patient enough <laughs> we have a bigger tent now i did went out and bought what is it, an eight person tent or something yeah after so. wait i figured this out oh god what are you figuring out 19 years we've been camping in the same tent for 19 years and i still have that tent <laughs> just so we're clear <laughs> actually i think it isn't it every year in August there's like a week where the meteors are pretty good? Yeah. And that's what we're trying to correlate because what we take off is the last week in July, first week of August. So when uh, if anybody's trying to get hold of me during that period, we're, we're usually we gone. gone. <laughs> that's our time when we hit the woods and we literally go off grid. We have uh, the grandparents take Lily for up to a week and we just disappear and that's what this plan was this was yeah. the first time we had got to do this yeah we call it our anniversary trip it's over the first week in august and we're always we're always just in the woods somewhere and i will never forget <laughs> to this day standing on this hump going we should be in the middle of the effing <laughs> lake we are in the and i'm looking the around lake. going oh we are in the middle of the lake the lake's just Slightly gone squishier right here we're here <laughs> we made it <laughs> Well, if, yeah, I mean, if you know anything about how ponds form, and I'm assuming that this was really just a pond, is sediment builds up and builds up, and eventually they, it becomes a bog. And this is the other thing. It could be like Red Bear said here. It might have been a beaver upriver. Could have dammed it off and slowed it down, and it swamped it out. Like, we don't know. We didn't continue going through. Like, the waterfall hasn't lost any pressure. I don't know. Now that I have the drone... I know mm. what I am doing. We are going back there and I'm going to fly this. And we're going to find this out a little more. The story does not end. It is just taking a I swear if we postpone. were just in the wrong spot. If, I swear <laughs> like, if it's 20 feet from where we were, there's a lake. Well, that's what kept dragging us through the woods. It's like, no, it's got to be right here. Like, we're so close. Just don't. Like, we were at the end of it. We were just like full on. Oh, we were climbing over brush. three. It was uh. so, so tight bushwhacking. Oh, yeah. Hey, Steve. Welcome to the show, bud. Hi, Steve. And for anybody out there wondering, it was Steve that gave the suggestion for the show here. So a huge thank mm -hmm. you to him. Uh, like I said, it's not every time we get to give a little bit of a story time, but it is fun to reminisce. Uh, we were talking about how Ben and I almost froze death first time we went out. Of that course. was fun. Yeah. What are you doing? <clears throat> uh, I'm trying to think of other times we've gone out and things have gone bad, but much like Ben and I, we always make the best of it. We always find a way to have a little fun and Yeah. Well, we've talked about and that I think before with about this like, topic. That's the thing I think you need to 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 keep in mind that like it's the things that go wrong that tend to make the best trips. And I mean that's the thing. That. We'll we'll never forget the lake. It it's become <laughs> a joke, you know lake. what I mean? When we say the we lake trip, the there's lake not a lake never involved. Remember a lake. <laughs> <laughs> there was no lake in the lake trip. <laughs> that's the thing, right? That's hilarious. We'll say, Oh yeah, that was during our lake trip. We'll snicker and other people look at us like we're weird <laughs> because they're expecting we went to a lake. What's so funny about that? But no the lakeless lake trip, you know what I mean? So we had a good laugh about that and we but like I said, we ended up learning that you can literally drive up to the spot we were at, crawl in the tent, and have an amazing view of the stars. Yeah. So, and there's like nothing there, as you can contest to, Ben. There is no houses around for about a 30 kilometer radius, and very few vehicles even go by that road at the back. Maybe yeah. like five in the run of a day. 
maybe more now that people are traveling more, but at the time there wasn't a lot. So there's no noise. It is super peaceful. It was an amazing place. And it was literally like drive up ready. I had a trailer on the truck, the whole works, because I had the ATV. I had a boat. I had a motor. I had everything. That was our first yeah. trip with the mammoth sleeping bag, too. Yeah, so that big boy. <laughs> but, I mean, we've done other things. Like, we've gone up to, once again, Indian Lake. Indian Lake seems to be a staple of missed adventures for us. We, uh, slightly different story, went up there, had our camping, that was all good, but we got a fire call while we were up there for a propane tanker, and both of us were horribly sunburnt, and had to come back and put on fire gear and sit on our knees for like 12 hours. I've never felt more like I was actually cooking, (laughs) like my flesh was just pan fried, I don't know, it was was not comfortable, full sunburn in full bunker gear under full sun in the middle of summer um makes you feel like you're cooking alive it's yeah, great it was, I, I highly recommend it for anyone out there looking that to volunteer was probably for the emergency services the single worst experience camping and it wasn't the camping that was fine it was the fact that i got sunburned like and had the, to climb into the, the fire gear afterwards the worst experience as an emergency responder was yeah. as a direct result of camping <laughs> wear your sunblock kids wear your sunblock <laughs> Why brim hats and sunblock? That's why I bought one. <laughs> Absolutely worth it. <laughs> but, uh... Yeah, I mean... Those are good examples. I'm just trying to think, like, what are some of the things that can go wrong, and how do you prepare for them, and then how do you react if it happens? And, like, weather. I, I've done a few trips where weather, especially with canoeing and kayaking stuff, weather pays an important factor in that. And I think one of the stories we've repeated here before... Is the time I sunk a kayak. I was just about to say, I'm waiting for this kayak sinking story to come along. So that trip, like, to, to, to cover what happened is me and the wife grabbed two kayaks, and we had just gotten them. We wanted to test them out. We hadn't really done a lot with them, so we loaded them up with gear, and we took off from Kedji, and we island hopped across Kedji Lake and found, I think it's called Minyards Bay, but someone will correct me if I'm wrong. There's a site inside Minyards Bay, and we stayed there for, I think it was a night or two. And then the next, the day we had to leave, a storm came in, and uh, the wind was, like, blowing into Minyards Bay. It was really hard to get out. And so when we came over, we actually island hopped across, like, the northern route, but we decided the best chance would be to go on the southern side because of the way the wind was. And just stay in the leeward side as many of the islands as we could. But there was a big section we just had to cross open lake. And if anyone's been on that lake, it might as well be an ocean. Uh, It's big. And the waves can kick up pretty high in that thing when the wind starts skiffing across it. So at that point, we decided to just gunner and paddling as hard as we could. As, as, As it went on, like Missy made a comment about, I looked a little bit lower than I normally would, and I said, yeah, it feels like I'm paddling a cement canoe. Like, it, it, she was unwieldy, and it was heavy, okay. and I wasn't getting the, you see the right over motion. Here. You'll see her when the TV. Come say hi. Hurry up and get back to bed. Say hello. All right. Say you hi. Go run and see if you can see yourself. Hurry. You got eight seconds. <laughs> if anyone's so, wondering, there's an eight-second delay between what we say and when you folks see it on YouTube. <laughs> so yeah i mean as i got approaching the beach um across from that beach and the other side of the river i can't is it the mersey river i think it might be coming in there not sure i'm not super familiar with that area to be honest with you ben it's it's really rocky and it's rough and uh, i ended up crashing because the boat literally flipped out from under me. My wife grabbed a bit of stuff that floated out. She managed to save my axe and a few other minor things. And I told her to go on to the proper beach and she pulled off and I swam to shore, grabbed the, the painter painter's line or whatever you call it and dragged it up the side, side of the, of the, the rocks. But during this outing, you had personal flotation devices on. Yeah. And you had somebody with you. So, I mean, you took 
as many precautions as were reasonably expected for the adventure. Which, once again, is much like what we say. You have to kind of plan for things to go south and then plan accordingly to that. Uh, oh, yeah, I always pack my ankle wraps. Ankle wraps. We were going <laughs> off to a oh, lake I, roll, I had never been to. I roll so. my ankle every single time I walk anywhere, ever. Yeah. Well, Ben was just talking about the time he uh, he sank his kayak oh. while him and his wife were out, and he had to swim oh, yeah. it back to shore. Yeah, I remember that story. So, yeah, necessary... Not necessary risks. There's calculated risks involved anytime you go outside and into the woods. Yeah, the theory of risk assessment. Which is or something. risk analysis. Risk analysis. And that's the thing with all of this. Yeah, we have some funny stories and we're telling them and we're laughing about them. But the reality is when we go out, we always tr expect something to go south. What could go south? Hmm? Uh, and a good time of us <laughs> planning our yeah. trips, and I'm sure you're the same way, Ben, is literally just thinking up scenarios of things that could potentially go wrong. What you're going to do in that scenario and how you're going to correct that scenario. So, I mean... You could roll an ankle, so we bring ankle Quite. wraps. <laughs> uh, you might get blisters, so you pack a little duct yeah. tape. You might, uh, I know me, uh, the funny, the the funniest thing that Kathy always says about me, which is uh, Melissa's mother there, is I bring things to make you poop, make you stop pooping, make, <laughs> take your heartburn away. Like, I take everything because... Things make sleep, make, things make stop sleeping. <laughs> you don't want to be... 50 kilometers back in the woods and have a bout of diarrhea. Like, yeah, you can laugh about that, but there's reality of dehydration, the uncomfortableness off it, stomach cramps. Like, you have to think about these things, think outside the box a little bit, plan for them, and then your adventures never really become misadventures. They just become different adventures than what you originally planned. Yeah. No. I, and I think what you said is you do have to prepare and look at what could go wrong and what would I do in those situations. So when, when you're mentally prepared and you've gone through a hundred things that can go wrong, like I think about it, what would I do if my tent poles were gone? And I would think that generally I will replace them with saplings. Like I can probably cut a sapling and make, make something do. I can use some string and pull it up to a nearby tree. What would I do if my cell phone got lost? Do I have a secondary option? Um, do I know where the best signals are in case I do need to call for help? Or do I have an alternate means? Um, medical things, like you said, anything that you suspect could go wrong, never hurts to pack a little bit of that stuff. You know, if it's an area full of pies and ivy, make sure you have some calamine. Some, yeah. Calamine lotion and stuff, because that could—that's a lifesaver in that situation. I always pack for an extra day. Mm -hmm. Oh, I mean, for sure. I think that's a, right. And anyone who thinks, "Oh, I'm only going for two nights, so I—I I just need this amount of food," well, you've never camped with me or Robert, because we always take an extra day, at least. At least, because... a whole extra turkey. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> that we indulge. <laughs> But uh, right. so, Jacob DeFords joined us here in the comments, and something he said was having a fanny pack or a small bag on you at all times mm -hmm. in case you get separated from your main pack. That's prime planning right oh, there. Oh, my, like, blue one? Yeah, I like, have you a, have, oh, yeah. she has a hip pouch <laughs> that has all the basics of an emergency, and there has a basic fire kit, a basic mm -hmm. first aid kit, mm -hmm. a tarp, a knife, and I think your little hatchet goes on it. And a roll of toilet paper, and a deck of cards, and a pencil and a notebook, and a whistle... And a compass, a compass, several means of fire starting, including a lighter, of course, waterproof matches and a ferro rod. Um, usually some fire starting materials I've collected along the way and my what? knife. This sounds like it should take up a ton it's of room, like, it's but like, it's, it's, like, yeah, it, it's actually a tiny little <laughs> yeah. bag. It's just very well packed. I think there's actually like a little fishing pack in there too with like a hook and some line. And that's a proper yeah. thing to have. And once again, when we are saying now planning. Now I'm going to unpack it and see what else I'm forgetting, but yeah. Don't <laughs> plan for negativity. Plan for things that could go wrong and plan for making them better. Like. We don't say this to be negative about it and don't try and make a negative out of a situation. It's just you're going to have a better time if you plan for the little hiccups. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's the big thing out of it. We've always kind of did our best when things go wrong. And 
you know, you just can't stop and give up. You just can't step away from it. I mean, that's sometimes the temptation is to just give up. But the reality is, I think with everything in life, make make the decision you're going to do the best with what you have. And the more you do that and the more you think about what can go wrong, like you said, a little bit of risk management goes a long way. Because once you've thought about what could go wrong, you now have thought about what could go right and how you can make sure that if this goes wrong, I'm just going to fix it using this. So... I mean, we both carry first aid kits. We both carry little repair kits for things like tents, stuff like that. Uh, you know, it never hurts to have some uh, pieces of duct tape, maybe some sill nylon patch kits. Um, just the basics, little tiny things, a small sewing kit so you can sew up, you know, a bust button or something like that. These and it's amazing how seem... far a little sewing kit goes. Yeah. It's something I never took with me. And by all means, folks, we're listing off a lot of things. This is not inclusive of all of these items figure out what works for you and your kit but a sewing kit you can mend a button you can mend a tear in your clothing you can mend a sleeping bag you can mend a tarp if you're in a pinch you can mend a tent it may not be fancy but dang it the hole will be sealed you know what i mean it goes a long way it's a very underappreciated piece of gear so red bear over here saying he likes to keep most of his basic gear in his pockets which is much you know that's going to be your basic fire starter maybe a source of light and a knife that's the bare minimum that I'll set foot off a trail with. And generally a whistle and a compass, depending on how far I'm going. You went and got the pack, didn't you? Yeah, because I'm curious. <laughs> you took my knife out of it, but other than that, it's, it's literally right that. there. Yeah, there's my knife. So yeah, like it's not that big of a pack. It's just kind of a little Slide shoulder. Slide it in front of his face. We'll see it better. Huh? Perfect. It's about yeah. the size of my, well, the width of my head, but not as thick. <laughs> and it doesn't look as good, but <laughs> I seen the eye roll coming to Ben. Trying to figure out which one doesn't look as good as which. <laughs> oh, I obviously don't look good as the bag. I mean, that's where my cell phone and her travel stuff go. But yeah, just a little bag like that, and if we go off in the four wheeler, she grabs that. That's the first aid kit. Like it's another little pack in there. What do you have in this thing? That's a whole other episode. But now you just got me curious. Oh yeah, like there's the. That's a basic. Allergies. Pill kit for us. Nomadic hacker. I went on a hunting trip with a buddy. He was supposed to bring tent and forgot it. We found out after <laughs> driving five hours. And we talked about this. This is the classic oopsie for camping. Oh, my spork. Oh, yeah, your spork. <laughs> the reality is, if you're driving there, if you keep a couple tarps in your truck, like my truck has a toolbox on it, and I have all the basics of a shelter that you have your out toilet paper in a spider bag. <laughs> it was but Halloween. What can I say? You can do a lot with a couple tarps, or even a couple big drum liners, honestly, that'll get you through. Oh, so Little money binoculars? Oh, my Jesus. <laughs> or, sorry, oh, my Jeez. <laughs> We're getting demonetized now for sure. Uh, <laughs> those are the cutest thing ever. Look at those, man. Anyway. Man, I hate it when we get demonetized. It's hard to eat for weeks after. I know. We don't get paid for sure. Classic Santa Claus cards. You do get the most random assortment of crap in there. My survival rescue tool. Mm. But that's the thing. Little planning goes a long way. And that's uh, the main takeaway from all of our little jokes and stuff like that is if you plan for a couple of the oopsies, you can still have a good time even when the oopsies happen. A proper lighter. <laughs> oh, that is a good lighter. I forgot about that one. Um, but yeah, we've all had these little adventures where things didn't go right. And I mean, they could... It, it's all about... Uh, oh, the duct tape around it. It's all about how you plan for these and how you react once these things happen. What was that? The tiniest little survival fishing kit ever. Ooh, a pencil sharpener. Oh, there's an underappreciated piece of kit. <laughs> a pencil sharpener, because you can use it for small twigs, twirl it in there like you would a... Um, Another pencil? Like a pencil, yeah. And you come <laughs> out with these new like super fine shavings that you can usually start uh, spark with a ferrule rod. One... Individual rollade. <laughs> so red, red bear. Uh, because my job takes me hundreds of kilometers into the bush, I keep a very comprehensive get home bag in my truck or my jeep at all times. 
And I think if you go out to Mel's and I's vehicles, we mm-hmm. may comprehensive may be a stretch for us. But there's basic gear in both our vehicles, which includes blankets, tarps, a source of light, a source of fire. Um, first aid kit. First aid kit. Like a full one. Yeah, full first aid kit. Like full class three Nova Scotia first aid kit. Ooh, good morning. And it's just, you never know. If you break down somewhere, even having that stuff in your vehicle is going to help you immensely. There's a big difference between having to sleep in the backseat of your car with or without a blanket or being able to set up outside where you can stress out. Are you trying to light me on fire with that? Maybe. (laughs) If it happens, it happens. (laughs) So What happens on Atlantic Bushcraft Adventures does not stay on Atlantic Bushcraft. (laughs) I was hoping... uh, nomadic hacker would come back with the rest of the story we didn't let it stop us cleared an area under a rock overhanging covered in pine boughs and had a long fire in front of it uh but it was possible because my buddy did have a camp shovel and an axe and that's what i mean a little bit of pre-prep and even some basic gear that you have stashed in a vehicle or in an emergency pack or something like that it it'll be surprising what you can do with it if you practice it's no good to have anything in there unless you do a little work with it oh, like it a little took me three strikes to put a put a spark on you for cheese please uh that's because it's <laughs> reoxidizing on the outside uh but yeah a little gear and a little practice goes a long way and ben and i are huge advocates off get out there and try stuff you know what i mean mm-hmm. take your gear into the backyard try setting up some oh, tarp shelters and stuff poop bags why do you have poop bag oh, oh yeah the yeah dog probably but um you're good yeah. for carrying water too yeah. yeah, that's good for lots of stuff. I put, like, uh, dirty clothes and lady stuff. Did you finally empty it? I, I don't know. There's more pockets. I always find more pockets. Actually, I'd say those would make pretty good socks if you ever got your foot wet. Like Sobeys bags. And yeah, socks. well, see, we can't get Sobeys bags anymore, right? Everybody not in Canada is like, what the heck's a Sobeys bag? Yeah. Well, most people in... <laughs> Western Canada don't really know. Yeah, so. true. <laughs> yeah you guys got Loblaws out there or something, don't you? <laughs> no Safeway <friend>. and. <laughs> Bye. Bye, Um, but yeah, so we goofed a little bit here, and we a lot of well, I mean, we're we're making fun of this situation, but the reality is, a little practice. There's no such thing as a misadventure. There's just adventures that didn't go according to the primary plan. That doesn't mean you can't act on the go or think on the fly you know what i mean just change the plan to suit the what you got yeah i think that's the big thing is is keep a positive mindset it's easy to get disenchanted with it to get to focus on what went wrong and ruin the whole trip real reality is something goes wrong move on enjoy it there's you know it's it's a new opportunity try to think of things that way as if if something goes wrong, it's an opportunity to do something different than you had planned. Um, I try to not overplan things. I find some people do overplan things, and it can be difficult. The other thing is have backup plans. Be prepared to be flexible um, in general, and that's really going to help you. And, I mean, Mel's got flexibility in her hands there. So <laughs> Try to get it all back in now. <laughs> yeah. No, it's but good. a good kit like that. And a good practice. I mean, I've met made pretty good shelters with nothing but a knife before. Yeah. But this is so. the thing. You had practice with that. You knew the basics of shelter building. <laughs> Having a knife's no good if you don't know how to use a knife. Saying you're going to build a shelter, not that great unless you know the basics of building a shelter. Yeah. But if you get good with a knife, you will... You will be hard pressed to go anywhere without a knife because you will feel so naked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it becomes a part of you. I put my knife back in my bag. You got a belt on that, didn't you? A belt on what? That whole bag. Where's the belt for it? Yeah, I have a camo belt. Oh. That I strap it on. And then this one and my other two bags go on. I have a whole situation. Oh, you got the fire pits, yeah. <laughs> she actually has a pretty nice setup one of these times. I should do a quick video on it. Maybe I'll do one of the YouTube shorts. If anybody interested in stuff like that, I mean, if anybody stuck around this long, I am curious to know what you folks would like for these YouTube shorts. I 
would love to start pumping out some YouTube shorts on little things like our gear kits and stuff like that if you folks are interested in it. But at the same time, if you are not interested in it, I would much rather do things you'd be interested in. And I, you're kind of on the same way, Ben. We talked about doing shorts, but we just don't know what you folks want to see. Give us some ideas. We can pump out some short videos. Way easier than trying to do the long videos simply because life gets in the way ben has work i have work i'm in the middle of transitioning into jobs oh god she's coming with more no i just want to say that if you're all interested in what was in that bag we could do this one and also this one and <laughs> the mysteries await <laughs> i'm just saying but literally <laughs> I all the time here. i was gonna say those two other pouches and that blue one is what mel usually walks around in the woods with aside from you know a backpack uh, because she has enough stuff between those three bags, you can probably, food excluded. Oh yeah, of course. You could set up and oh, live I'm comfortably fine. for a few I'm, days. I'm fine with three bags in my tent. Is, is this our new series now? What's in Mel's bag? <laughs> oh my God. Yes. I have so many amazing bags to show you. <laughs> I, I can do an entire YouTube short series on that. hundred <laughs> percent. We can just pick random bags. I don't even have to be bushcraft related. I'm still amazed yeah, at some of the stuff that comes out. Those are just my bushcraft bags. I got some other bags. <laughs> I still, to this day, remember you pulling a purse out of a closet and being like, what the hell is this? The stuff just started coming out. <laughs> so many useful things. <laughs> Never knew I had any of these things. And it, honestly, it was literally that. Like, it was a purse I knew she owned, and she just was like, what the hell is this? But, like, it could be a lipstick, and it could be a hatchet. Like, it is... The variety is very wide. <laughs> anyway, food for thought for anybody that's out there is listening. Uh, let's see. So, Red Bear. Find good excuses. Today we had a small power outage, so I used my Siva 123 to make coffee. Yeah. Testing your gear. Nomad. Uh, it's also important to really understand the area you're going into, like on a hunting trip. I had been there before and knew that there were plenty of natural shelter areas that could make use of. Yeah. That's something we talk about too is, like I said, pre-plan your trip a little bit. At least get a topographical map and know the terrain. Know if it's going to be steep, shallow, uh, if you're going to be hiking through dense forest, stuff like that. Most of those resources are available to you online, especially here in Canada. Government has great websites where you can go in and you can look at, you know, the forest uh, foliage and topographical maps to give you the inclines and stuff like that. Once again, little prep goes a long, long way. But as Ben said, try not to overthink it either. You can get yourself into the spiral of over planning where you start thinking about so much that you don't see the forest through the trees. I know, stupid analogy, but it's really true. <laughs> it hates tripping over all my survival bags. I'm the one with the survival bags in this situation, Red Bear. <laughs> I got bags for days. Bags for days. Bags for days. But, uh,. Yeah. Oh. Don't shut us down there, Mel. I'll do what I want. You'll cost us more money. <laughs> more money? I said we'll lose more money. Uh, anyway, yeah. So, demonetize twice in the same Demonetize twice, 100%. Oh this goodness. episode's never going to make See, it this sense. is why I'm never invited to play. You're invited all the time. People love when you come on. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Your shenanigans and shenanigans. I'm sure they do. They just want to know what's in my bags now. <laughs> Well, that is the mystery. I mean, you get two perfectly good big bags over there. Thousand episode or a thousand subscriber special. We'll reveal <laughs> we what's in all the bags in the closet. <laughs> all the bags. But <laughs> anyway, Anyways, the point is, uh, I think we did it in em embracing the adventure. If you want another podcast to refer to you after this one, if the topic interests you, um, I don't know what number it is, but it's called embracing the adventure. And it very much uh, covers the same kind of topic where we're just discussing um, that mindset is really what gets you through all of the things. Um, you come across some things that are maybe labeled as misadventures, but really just become part of the adventure. And uh, that that's really uh, the, the point of it all, I think. Now, one question I had for you, Ben, because you probably have a little more experience on this end than I do. Do you end up with misadventures when you are camping with four girls? <laughs> <laughs> the hysteric laugh, the yeah. nervous hysteric laughter says it all. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So 
other people definitely add to the adventure. There's there's that to be sure. Um, it hasn't been too bad. I, I remember one that was just kind of an interesting one. We went to Keji with my daughters, and uh, I think Missy was pregnant with the youngest one. And uh, the girls found these frogs, and we we're holding one of them up. And one of them jumped and hit my middle daughter right in the middle of the face, like smoke. And two of us looked at each other and was like, oh, my goodness, now she's going to be terrified of frogs and we're never going to be able to go outside again. And so I think Missy quickly looked at her and said, oh, he wanted to kiss you. And Joel, that was it. Then it was all okay, right? So, so I, Nope, go ahead, Ben. So that was it. Like, just how you, how you react to the initial thing going wrong really affects how it affects everyone else. Remember that like, if you get really upset because something's missing or didn't work out, that attitude will travel through the can quite quickly. So you have to stay positive, especially when there's other people around, because you could be setting the tone for everyone else. And setting it that this is an adventure and things are going to be good. And like there's trips we've showed up that, you know, it was just pure rain or the fog was so bad you couldn't even see. And we just made it a game. We made it fun and adventurous. And it's, it's never been a big deal. But the opportunity for it to go wrong really quick always exists. And you just have to be like ready for that and, and react well. And I love what you said there. The way you react can spread through the camp. It's 100% true for kids. But don't just think it's for kids. It's for anybody that could be out with you. If you're out with a group of people and you start getting sour over the dumbest little things or things that you should be able to shrug off... Other people will pick up on the vibe and it will carry through everybody, adults, kids, doesn't matter. I mean, yeah. look at, uh, I can't remember which gathering it was at, but there was a couple people that were squabbling amongst themselves at one of our gatherings. I don't remember which one, but anyway, that whole vibe kind of carried through the hundred people that were there. Not that everybody was fighting with each other, but everybody knew you know, oh, you don't go over there. That's where they're all fighting. Uh, that's the bummer area. You know what? It, it, it travels. Area. I'm trying to keep <laughs> I, it PG, no, but I know, I you know, know what I mean. It, it travels through everybody, regardless. And that doesn't matter if you're going to campgrounds, if you're out in the middle of the woods, if you're with other people, your attitude will reflect everybody else's eventually. And yeah. you can say that about somebody with a real good attitude that's really trying to make the best of everything. They're making light of things, having fun. Oh, yeah, we forgot the tent, so we made a, a shelter. Like, uh, Guess we're building one! Yeah, like nomadic <laughs> hacker over there. Like, If you can keep a positive attitude, a positive attitude is contagious. You may have a couple hard apples, but eventually a positive attitude really is contagious. But on the flip side of that, a negative attitude can be very contagious yeah. as well. Especially if somebody like starts to panic or like really, you know, take something really hard and like gets really emotional about it or uh, angry about something or that kind of like those really heightened emotions I find are like, hey, that's unnecessary. We'll just bring it down, we'll figure it out. Like it's it's okay, don't take it so you know, don't take it so seriously. And panic itself the is panic a big is hard, one. Because like it could just be because you can self-perpetuate your own panic. You start yeah. getting a little nervous, you start getting anxious, you start thinking more about it. You can literally get yourself into a panic spiral. Yeah. So trying to keep calm at least. Take uh, we've said Especially this in other episodes. Especially when injuries involved, sometimes like the panic can be real if you don't yeah. know what you're doing. Yeah. And we've said this in previous episodes, Ben. Take a minute. Just take a forced minute, I think is what we actually said. Sit down, if you have the ability, take a couple good deep breaths, figure out what you have, what you need, and what you're trying to accomplish. So the STAR acronym works perfect in this mm -hmm. one. You know what I mean? It's fresh on your top <laughs> of your head from your new job, babe. Well, from interviewing anyway. But I mean, what's your situation? What's uh, what's the task you need to accomplish? What's the action you're going to use to complete the tasks? And then uh, what's the result? You know what I mean? And I mean, that's just one of those foolish acronyms I pulled in my head because it was fresh in my mind from no, doing an interview. Though. But I mean, you don't have to break down with that specific acronym, but literally sit down, know where you are, know what you want to do, figure out what you need to do to accomplish that, and then reevaluate somewhere between. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you can keep yourself out of a lot of stressful situations as long as you plan it out. Have a 
like I said, have a plan, commit to the plan, and then reevaluate the plan. Don't expect the plan to be 100% foolproof, especially if it's an emergency situation. Uh, but this goes with just the camping trip, the adventure. If it deviates, that's okay. Reevaluate your situation, replan, and then just go down a different path. Well, like Red Bear is saying, um, that there's like people he won't camp with because unless everything is perfect, they're complaining constantly. And the la- that's the last thing we need in our happy place. Um, but like <laughs> the, the thing that I can think of the most when we take, you know, if you want to call them newbies, the people who aren't like, you know, dedicated campers, maybe don't own their own the tent. people who took a whole bunch of chairs, the big people tents. Who yeah, okay. But my point of that was the bug spray. And the constant complaining about the mosquitoes and the black flies. And, like, I get it. The black flies on that particular trip that I'm thinking of were terrible. Like, we all came home with, like, chunks of skin missing and bruised welts from these black flies. Or, from the horse flies. They were so, they were so strong biters. Um, and, like, I get it. And But there's, like, things you can do. There's, you know, you spray yourself. You cover yourself. You do all the things and then like if you don't fixate on that it's it's okay it's kind of par for course um but there's some people who just cannot let like a bad mosquito adventure go it's the end of their adventure they hated everything about it because they got mosquito bites um yeah that can be hard mm. so a couple things from the comments here uh jacob deford a few times i thought i was lost and began to panic for a second but i took mm. uh some deep breaths and took a break to reevaluate and it worked out fine attitude is key to a survival situation 100 percent agree red bear popped his knee out in 98 on a survival exercise with air cadets after the medic popped it back in spent the rest of the trip teaching the class uh just from sitting on the rock so it didn't ruin the trip for the kids like making the best of a bad situation Th- these are all real things you don't have to necessarily take to that extreme i commend you red bear like mm. that's pretty hardcore bud mm. uh, i can tell that you and ben get along just perfect that way because that's something i would picture him doing as well <laughs> but the reality is if it goes bad can you make it okay does it need to be a giant stress situation can you sit down take a few breaths like jacob did and oh. realize that you weren't you know maybe you weren't where you should have been but you weren't necessarily lost i saw this thing the other day that just reminded me of that and it's like when you start to feel that panic rising you have to decide whether there's a danger or a discomfort so is there a real danger like does something need to be done in order to like not die Mm. (laughs) so the danger versus okay this is uncomfortable what do i need to do to make it more comfortable um and being able to like bring your stress level down by realizing there's no immediate danger nobody's in imminent harm um this is just we're all really uncomfortable with this uh, but we can sit in that discomfort and figure it out and not panic because it's not a real uh you know kind of life or death situation that we have to respond to um and be like really on top of so yeah danger or discomfort it makes your yep. brain feel better. Good topic or good thought. Good thought. <laughs> and I really like the point that that Red Bear made, but you guys made it too. Was that if you go with somebody who has a shitty attitude, then they become somebody you don't want to go with. Like you do, you avoid camping with certain types of people. And there's there are people I've camped with that I said I would probably never camp again with. There's other people I've camped with. I said. I would camp again with, but, and there's been like caveats to it. So certain styles just because of different reasons, but the reality is you have to make those decisions um, based on, on a lot of stuff. And the more stressful it is, the more you're looking for a certain type of person. There's a, a, an ad that comes on to my phone all the time. I don't know if anyone else is getting it. I think it's called Fresh Line. Have you seen this? I don't know. I will try to share it with you. It's a group of guys who are motorcycle camping around the world. Yes, and I they know what say, you're talking about. We're looking for a specific type of person. And that's kind of what we do. You're looking for a specific type of person. You're looking for somebody who has that positive attitude. We know things are going to go wrong. This isn't a pre-planned trip. This, there, are, you know... Things are going to happen randomly, and you're just going to have to deal with it. So ridiculous. <clears throat> and 
that to me is part of the adventure of the camping trip. If I if I'm going somewhere and somebody's losing it because it, the weather's not perfect or that there's more flies than we expected or the ground isn't flat enough, then, you know, sorry, I can't change these things, but we can deal with them. And, and that's it, right? You have to have that positive attitude. You have to have that can-do attitude. And, and you know, and I like so that. far. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, so far, we've never had an incident that we couldn't get out of. Okay, so. And something you said that really speaks key to me is if the situation's out of your control, accept it's out of your control. You can't control the weather. You can't control the ground you're sleeping on. Make the best of it. Control what you can, accept what you can't. Does that make sense? Oh my goodness. I'm pretty sure that's on a calendar somewhere. <laughs> the, the Atlantic bushcraft calendar. Why do we not have a calendar yet? Well, well we, we, we were going to try, but we There's didn't think the any of to see pictures of me and Robert in swimsuits. Yeah, no photographer would take the pictures. The next one is going to be, well, that didn't go as planned, as Red Bear said. That's that's the month of May. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we could definitely get pictures for these titles. <laughs> I think so. I think we have our next project. But anyway, uh, I think we could run in circles on this all night. We're at our hour. What do you think, Ben? Yeah, for sure. Let's wrap her up. As always, get out there, have fun. <laughs> Get out there, play safe, folks. Let us know about it, as always. Once again, let us know if there's something you want us to talk about. We'd like to thank Mel for popping on here tonight to give her perspective on things. And if you want to know what's in my bags, just let the boys know and I'll be back. <laughs> Night, everybody. We'll talk Bye. to you next week. Night, all. <laughs>